Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Janet Newman. She is a marketing communications consultant based in Austin, Texas. Her longtime interest in health and nutrition has led to her, her to explore the damage hidden environmental toxins can do and discover ways to reduce or eliminate their impact. We're discussing her book, Living in the Chemical Age. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rebecca. It's wonderful to be on your show. Thanks for having me on. Uh, well, I'm so excited. This is actually one of my, my favorite topics, and, and we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but can you just tell us um, why you're so passionate about this? Sure. Well, um, about eight years ago or so, I was faced with multiple um, medical and, and just Issues that were coming up in myself and my family, um, I was diagnosed with some things like a thyroid disorder. I had uh, heavy um, mercury toxicity. I had a thyroid, uh, I said a thyroid disorder, and then also um, uh, a mold exposure. So, uh, you know, I was going through some symptoms that I just really couldn't put my finger on until I got diagnosed with these things. And around the same time, um, my husband was also diagnosed with an autoimmune uh, form of arthritis. And my mother had been diagnosed with uh, stage four breast cancer. So there were all these things going on at the same time. And um, being a researcher by nature, I have my PhD in psychology. Um, I decided to delve into a lot of these ailments and um, find out, you know, what I could do about them and what caused them and so forth. And what I discovered was that there was really a common denominator amongst all of these things, and that was chemicals. Um, I found out that chemicals, um, in their, you know, when they're toxic, they can either cause or exacerbate a lot of these illnesses that we're seeing today. And so I started doing some more research and all the books that I came across um, were either written by scientists or doctors who were um, assuming that the reader had already had one of these diseases and were trying to um, present the information from a, a detox perspective. And I realized that there was a gap in the literature and not a lot of people were talking about what we can do to protect ourselves from these chemicals and limit our exposure. So I thought, gosh, you know, people don't have a lot of time to research this stuff and maybe they're not really putting one and one together um, and realizing that chemical exposure could be leading to some of these symptoms. So I decided to start writing. Well, you know, I'm I'm glad you did. Um, like you said, there definitely has been a, a gap um, of information. And um, my story with chemicals was about 10 years ago, I moved my practice into a, a building that was brand new. So everything was off gassing the furniture, the floors, the wall. And um, although I did have chronic Lyme and didn't know it, it was controlled. Like I, I, it wasn't as okay. overwhelming as when I lived in that, when I worked in that office. And with 
within three months, I became bedridden. And I continued to stay in that office because nobody asked me those questions about my home or my work and the environment that I was in and if that was playing a role. Mm -hmm. And I spent years, even after I left that office, trying to figure out why that time was different than all the other years where I'd been sick but been able to recover or wasn't that sick. Wow. Yeah. Um, I talk a little bit about sick building syndrome in my book. Um, it sounds like that might have been the case with your office building. Were other people getting sick as well? Uh, no. No, because it, okay. it was... Well, not that anybody noticed. There was no mold. It was, you know, it wasn't something like that, which is, can be more obvious. Um, and, and you know, I do have, especially now, um, and I don't know if it was there before as dramatically, but now that I've had that huge exposure, um, I'm very sensitive. And I don't yeah. know if that was the trigger or if it was something that was already there, um, but it definitely... Um, you know, is something that I'm careful with now. I did renovations last year, but I was more conscious about it and it was safer and it didn't cause me, me any issues, but that's because I knew and was educated. Yes, I, I think that so many people are exposed to um, toxins indoors and they're not really aware. You know, we can't see these uh, chemicals. We can't smell them in most cases. And so people just are unaware that they exist. So it sounds like you, you know, are, are hypersensitive now, as am I. I think that's very common. Um, there's actually a name for it called multiple chemical sensitivity, um, which is a, a, you know, actual medical condition. And it's caused by the exposure to chemicals. And, um, you know, people can have a various range from, you know, really mild symptoms like headaches and dark circles under the eyes to, you know, even really severe types of symptoms like seizures and joint pain and things like that. So um, I think when we overburden our bodies with, you know, multiple exposures of really toxic things, um, our bo- that's our body's way of saying, no, I can't be in that kind of environment. Well, you know, one thing when when I talk to people about this and, you know, I I feel like even if we're not noticing our symptoms, because obviously I didn't know at the time that was a problem for me. I feel like these chemicals are, are something that are difficult for us anyway, even if it's not obvious at that time. Good point. You know, um, in my research, I discovered that there's over 85,000 chemicals on the market. And, um, you know, this, most of them didn't exist 100 years ago. They're man-made. And only a few hundred of them have ever been tested for safety. So that is pretty astonishing. And, you know, when we are exposed to chemicals on a daily basis, uh, some people say, you know, we're exposed to like 250 pounds of chemicals on any given day in the air and water and food and so forth. And I, I like to look at it as and, and to create a visual for people um, that our, our bodies and our immune systems are kind of like a silo, like a grain silo. And when we're exposed to these toxins um, and we're unable to eliminate them faster than we're taking them in, 
they tend to build up and as like layers in the silo, if you will. And once the toxins get to a point that's, you know, to the point of overflowing, um, the body kicks in and, and rebels and says, I can't take anymore. It's too much. So I think anything that we can do to reduce our toxic exposure, um, you know, either by ingesting or breathing in or applying so many of these chemicals, um, I, I think the better off we are. And when you have a chronic condition like uh, Lyme disease, you know, to have your immune system in tip-top shape and, and it, it's really, really important, obviously, as you know, um, because we have to do a lot of internal work fighting this Lyme. And um, so, you know, anything that we can do to create a stronger immune system is, is helpful. Well, you know, one thing you said um, I, I think is a little bit disturbing that there's, you know, tens of thousands of these chemicals and their safety hasn't been tested. And and I think that people are, are relying on our, our governments to to protect us from these things. Um, I think this is a, a uh, in your book that, you know, there is no um, system that will self-regulate itself. You know, the government needs to step in and say, you you as as a uh, the makers of these chemicals need to to be on top of monitoring this, and and what you're right. saying is that's not happening. Well, I'm not sure about the laws in Canada. I'm not really well versed in in that, but in the United States, there isn't much regulation. Um, for instance, our Food and Drug Administration doesn't have legal authority to either approve or recall cosmetics. Um, and they're also, um, they allow food producers to review their own products and determine whether they're safe. I mean, I, I, I found that astounding. Um, our labeling laws are extremely weak. Manufacturers can make these grandiose claims on their labels, like um, this product is anti-aging or it's all natural. And that sounds really enticing to the consumer, but it means absolutely nothing from a scientific standpoint. Um, yeah, definitely. And it, it, it's a little scary to think that those things are out there and, and um, not regulated when you look at how sick they can make us. Um, now, you brought up at the beginning of the interview a few illnesses. Um, is mm-hmm. there a connection with our chemical exposure and uh, some of what your family has experienced? Well, um, what we do know is that Chemicals, many chemicals out there are endocrine disruptors, and these um, are known to wreak havoc with our hormones, and they can lead to things like diabetes and infertility. Um, we know that a lot of other chemicals are neurotoxins, like the mercury I talked about, um, and they can alter the chemistry of our brains. And we know that there's a lot of other chemicals that cause cancer. Um, they're like the glyphosate in Roundup um, that was determined by the World Health Organization that it's a probable carcinogen. Um, so many doctors and scientists are, you know, starting to catch on to this and they're linking the two saying, you know, we're, we need to decrease the amount of toxins um, and maybe that that's causing it. Uh, there's also um, so much an autoimmune disease out there. Um, and it's, it's just toxic overloads, one of the leading causes of autoimmunity that they're now saying. So 
I, I do think that there's a lot of connection. Um, and we're just, you know, I'd say just in the beginning stages of really pinpointing some of these chemicals and, and what they're able to do to the body. And, um, you know, I think we're still in the, the short-term studies as opposed to the long-term studies um, for most of these chemicals. But we're starting to realize that it's a real problem. Well, in, well definitely is. I think when, you know, the hormone disruptor part, I think what has the biggest press mm-hmm. on that is the plastics. Um, and, and yeah. I, yeah, and that's what people know the most about. Can you just talk about that history so people can kind of understand what you and I are talking about? Sure. Well, one of the things that I think is a really good example to give people about plastic, um, we've become so, uh, as a society, just reliant on plastic water bottles. You know, we're supposed to drink our eight glasses of water a day, and we're busy and running around, and so people just reach for a plastic water bottle of water. I see it every single day. And when you look at the bottom of the plastic water bottle, you'll see a pyramid and a number one inside. And that means that it's uh, PET plastic. And PET plastic is a known endocrine disruptor. It messes with our thyroid and our hormones. And um, the problem lies when, you know, basically if, a, if the plastic gets hot, those chemicals leach into the water. And people always come back to me and say, yeah, but I drink them right from the cooler. Or, you know, they're cold when I get them, and and so they're not hot. I don't drink them from my car, you know, when they're sitting baking in the sun. Is that um, that water bottle had to go through a lot of transit, you know, from the point of bottling to your grocery store. It's probably gone into a couple of trucks. Maybe they weren't refrigerated trucks. Um, They could have been sitting in a warehouse that wasn't air conditioned. I mean, there's all kinds of different points in that, uh, you know, transit that could have exposed these water bottles to heat. So that's one of the biggest problems that I'm seeing. Um, There are many other issues with plastic water bottles other than the uh, thyroid disrupting you know, chemicals that's inside, but we can talk about that now or later if you want. Well, um, let's talk about that after this quick break. Um, we're talking today okay. with with Janet Newman, and uh, we're discussing her book, Living in the Chemical Age, and we'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you finding your frequency? 
It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Janet Newman, and she's the author of Living in the Chemical Age. Uh, so, Janet, um, what are really common things uh, in, in people's homes that are that are chemicals, aside from the water bottles, that they should be looking out for? Well, um, there are numerous um, aspects that we can look at. Uh, one is um, furniture, for instance. You know, Indoor air quality, uh, at least according to um, some sources, can be up to five times more toxic than our outdoor air. And it's really partly because we work so hard to make our buildings energy efficient. And so we seal them up tight and we rarely open up the windows. But when we do that, we're reducing our ventilation. So things like flame retardants, which are volatile organic compounds, um, they're a big problem in furniture and also in carpets and mattresses. Um, And unfortunately, flame retardants don't break down in the environment or in our bodies. And they've been linked to things like hyperactivity, 
uh, low IQ, cancer, if they're really a big problem. So furniture can carry these things. Um, there, there's so many different aspects. I mean, um, there's um, plastics in our shower curtains, like the they, uh, phthalates, for instance. Um, there are things in um, our food that we, you know, we can talk for a long time about food. Um, we are very accustomed to white paper. So when I talk about white paper, I mean things like paper towels, toilet paper, um, things like that. And paper production, when they, when they make it, um, they're using a chlorine bleaching process. And it actually forms a really toxic chemical. It's one of the most toxic chemicals known to man. It's called dioxin. And it forms as a byproduct through that chlorine bleaching process. So I always tell people, if you can, buy unbleached or at least chlorine-free paper products or bamboo um, products. So, you know, there's so many different layers to the chemicals in our environment. Um, And I tried in my book to break it down into, you know, different categories. Each chapter has, um, you know, is dedicated to a different topic um, because I think it's, very overwhelming when you think about all those chemicals that we're exposed to on a daily basis. So I tried to break it down into more, you know, bite-sized pieces. Um, Which, yeah, I think you did a, a good job of that in your book. I mean, everything was broken up in chapters, and it is an overwhelming topic if it's not something that you've ever thought about before. Because then, right. you know, you're suddenly you could you can also be afraid of everything: your mattress and your your carpet, mm-hmm. and then now your food and your water. Um, and and you know, in a way, we need to be aware of that as well, so that we can make these educated choices. But like you said, it is it is very daunting to look at all the things that. You know, if you are sensitive or just for your family's well-being that you you probably need to change. Yes. Well, you know, I always advise people to take baby steps. Um, I think that, like you said, this information can be daunting and making changes can be really overwhelming for people. Um, So anything that you can do, any kind of step that you can take to decrease your exposure is a step in the right direction. And I always tell people, just start with one category. You know, start with food or start with water. And um, there, there's, I list in my book at the end of each chapter different things that people can take away and implement, little um, tips and advice and things like that. So if you start with just one chapter and you try to do the most of the things in that chapter, um, then you're, you're making huge, huge progress. And then you can, when you're comfortable with that and you feel like you've done enough, then you can go to the next chapter. Well, yeah, that definitely makes sense, especially the way you have it broken up. I mean, you look at, you know, food in one chapter and water in another. So it's it's not all over the place. It's something that's very easy to to follow through with. Now, with food, what sort of things are you talking about there? Well, um, you know, there's things on the label that we are you know, we know that are not great for us, things like preservatives and, um, you know, different types of uh, 
gums and fillers and things like that that have to be on the label. Different, you know, there's so many different kinds of sugars out there, and we've all heard about trans fats and things like that. So those things have to be on the label. But um, and and I don't spend a whole lot of time going into those because we're pretty well aware of them. But there's so many things that aren't on the label. Um, there's over three actives that don't need to be put on labels. And most of them are in the form of packaging. So when you buy, I'll just give you an example, like when you buy a package of microwave popcorn, um, there's chemicals on the inside of the lining of the bag to keep the popcorn from sticking. There are sealants and glues that keep the popcorn from escaping from the bag when you pop it. Um, And there's chemicals that give off that buttery smell. So none of those have to be on the label. Um, that's just one example of things that we should be aware of, but, you know, they don't need to be labeled. Um, another thing with food that doesn't have to be labeled is um, GMOs. So genetically modified ingredients um, don't have to be labeled as of now, but I know there are proposals to do so in the near future, and they're talking about different ways to label them, what the, you know, different logos should look like and what the rules are around that. Um, um, things like pesticides and herbicides, they don't need to be labeled either. Um, or when an animal receives hormones or antibiotics uh, in the farm, the residuals of those chemicals end up in their flesh and in their milk, and we end up eating those. But those don't need to be on the label either. So there's so many things that, um, you know, are not on the label that people aren't really aware of, but um, my book tries to help people, you know, to open their eyes and say, we really should um, be more conscious and ask questions. And I always say, go find the products that have the least amount of ingredients, or if there's ingredients on the label that are so long and hard to pronounce, or they're an abbreviation, maybe look for a different product because... That's a red flag for me that if I can't pronounce something um, or I've never heard of this, you know, acronym before, that kind of tells me that maybe I should not buy it. Well, you know, this this is uh, just brings us to eating real food is is probably better right. for us. But I know that that that's changed over the years, um, especially now that you know women aren't spending all day making a meal. We do have things mm-hmm. that are faster, and uh, and you know you talk in your book about preservatives so things can sit on the shelf. And and our our food has definitely changed um, in the last few years, um, just so that it is faster and more convenient and we, and it still tastes good, even though it is, you know, in that category. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a yeah. problem. We've become addicted to convenience and there are a lot of things do well by consumers and, Um, I always say that if a company is willing to brag on their label saying that it doesn't contain, you know, whatever, whatever it is, or if it um, says right on, you know, does not contain 
uh, hormones or pesticides or antibiotics or things like that. They're trying. And, and I think that that's a, a good rule of thumb that if you find a package of something and it really, you know, brags about how well they've tried to make it healthy, then they get my vote over a brand that doesn't do that. Well, you know, I agree with you there. I mean, I think there's a a consciousness about what um, consumers want. And, um, you know, most of us, or I guess I'm in this category, that I do want uh, to buy from a a company that is conscious that I want to make the choices about what oils in the food and whether or not Mm -hmm. it's organic and and the additives. And so when they are conscious about that, I feel I feel safer in my my choice there. Um, exactly. and, and yeah, and I, I think that, uh, you know, as you're, you're saying, we can bring that demand that other um, companies follow suit so that, you know, even when people aren't making that choice consciously, they are eating better food and not getting as sick from it, even if they're not aware of what's going on. Right. I always say that, you know, we vote with our pocketbook. And if you tell manufacturers just by the simple fact that you're not buying their unhealthy products and you're choosing healthier brands instead, that sends a very clear message. I mean, you're hitting them on their bottom line. So I I think that's the best way that we can voice our opinion. I, I agree with you. Now, when we're looking at bottled water being an issue, um, isn't our tap water safe for us? Well, um, yes and no. <laughs> um, a lot of times bottled water is just tap water that's been bottled um, in many cases. But tap water, in, you know, it really depends on your municipality. And um, I don't know what the regulations are in Canada, but in the U.S., uh, we typically use chlorine or chloramine to sanitize the water. Um, and um, basically chloramine is just chlorine plus ammonia. Um, so it disinfects the water to a degree. Um, but the problem is that, for instance, chloramine is a respiratory irritant and it's known to cause asthma um, in its vapor form. So like when you're boiling a pot of water and the steam comes up, that can be irritating to your lungs. Um, It's also corrosive and it can leach lead from the pipes. And we all have heard stories, um, I'm sure, of the um, lead in pipes in Flint, Michigan. So it can be a really big problem um, for people because lead is a neurotoxin and it affects kids' IQs and and so forth. So, I recommend filtering your water uh, with a multi-step filtration system. Um, I particularly like um, a granular activated carbon filter um, followed by a reverse osmosis filter. And a lot of the reverse osmosis filters are so good out there. They have multi-step in them as well. Um, And also remember to filter your shower water as well um, because again, with that steaming water, you're breathing in some of those chemicals um, when it, when it's hot. So, um, and what I like to do is once you have uh, either a reverse osmosis or, you know, 
there's so many different ways to filter your water. You can spend a fortune and do your whole house. And so every sink has clean water. Or if you're on a budget, you can do just the under the sink uh, type of reverse osmosis filter. You can even do an on-the-counter reverse osmosis. Or um, I list one product in my book called a Berkey. B-E-R-K-E-Y, and it's gravity-fed filtration. So it doesn't require electricity. You can use it if the power's off, and it has, I forget how many stages it has. I think it's like 10. And so um, it just goes through all these different filters, and um, it produces very, very clean water. And those run, depending on the size that you get, between $200 and $300. So it's... um, it's really good to filter your own water, know that it's clean, and then use a stainless steel or a glass water bottle to um, carry your water around all day because, it, once again, if you use the plastic, um, even some of the reusable plastics, um, you put them in the dishwasher and you're heating that uh, plastic up. And some of the plastics uh, that are recyclable, we don't really know what kind of chemicals are in there. And um, some of them, even if it says it's BPA-free, they could use very similar bisphenols called BPS and BPF. And those are just as toxic, but um, the media hasn't really caught on to those alternatives yet. And so I just always say stick with things that you know are safe, like glass and stainless steel. Uh, th- thank you for for mentioning all that. Your your Berkey sounds similar to the Centivia filter that we have in our office here. It's a gravity filter, oh. and it yeah it goes through through different layers. Um, so that's definitely available in Canada, and it remineralizes as well. It's very easy to clean. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy it, and um, you just have to clean it, you know, every week, and then change the filters every so often, but not even that often. Um, we're, we're going to take a quick break, but uh, we're, we're talking today with Janet Newman, and we're discussing her book, Living in the Chemical Age, and we'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. 
live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Janet Newman, and she is the author of Living in the Chemical Age. So, Janet, when we're looking at all the chemicals that we're exposed to, um, you know, one thing that that always comes to mind is, you know, our, our personal care products, our shampoo and our cosmetics. And, you know, you even said that cosmetic industry is self-regulating. So what what's actually going on there? Well, um yeah, it's um, it, I, again. I don't know the the laws in Canada, but in 1938, um, that was the time that we had a personal care safety act uh, initiated, and our law has not been adequately updated since then. Um, there have been attempts to, there was a bill proposed in 2015 that still hasn't passed that was um, intended to create more liability for the manufacturers as to what they were putting in products. Um, unfortunately, that's still, you know, hanging in limbo. But um, yeah, personal care products are, are a tricky one. Um, as I mentioned, um, there's a lot of labeling indiscretions, if you will, um, where, you know, they can put really anything on the labels. So um, in, in the U.S., manufacturers aren't required to test for safety. They're not required to submit product formulations to the government. So 
we're just lulled into this false sense of security that someone somewhere is required to test this stuff before it gets onto the shelves. And it's, the truth is, like, not not very many manufacturers do because they don't have to. Um, one big thing that kind of spans both personal care products and cleaning products that I'd like to mention, it's a big one, um, is the word fragrance. Um, whenever you see the word fragrance on an ingredient label, I think it's really important for people to know that it's a catch-all term um, for any of 3,500 ingredients. Um, this one word on a label can be 10 ingredients or 100 different ingredients within one product. As consumers, we just have no idea. And um, fragrance, the word, was used initially to protect um, manufacturers' top-secret formulations. And um, so you really have no idea what that word means. Um, I did some research on those 3,500 ingredients. Uh, you can find there's a transparency list um, online if you do some digging that talks about, it lists actually all of the different um, chemicals in that uh, transparency list of fragrances. And many of these ingredients, I was really horrified to learn, are also on California's Prop 65 list, which is a list of cancer-causing chemicals. So it's, um, you know, I always say buy unscented products or if, if you like scent, um, make sure that the product has essential oils or, you know, that it actually says what the fragrance is. Like maybe it's, you know, um, essence of lavender or something like that. Like make sure it says what it is or just buy unscented because uh, the fragrance category is so unknown you really don't know what you're putting on your body well you know I'm, I'm glad you're you're talking about that and that's something that I'm quite sensitive to and now I understand why I can never figure out what actually it is because mm. it could be a mix of anything as you're saying 35,000 right. ingredients when it says that and so I even um, some natural products I will avoid um, just because I'll, I'll find them reacting but now I understand that there could be could be anything in it yes and it's 3,500 not 35,000 oh. but it's, it's still, still a bad lot. enough <laughs> <laughs> it's you know still I put an extra zero when I wrote it down but I you know I think 3,500 that's still a lot of options when we it's think that we've got our ingredients list on there and we don't know what what's in something that we're putting on our body and when we're absorbing things through our skin I mean it doesn't just stay there it goes into our body which is a, a scary part as well that that's not regulated Right. Yes, I know. It is It is really um, amazing that they can get away with that. Um, and, and it's in everything. I mean, you find fragrance in soap and shampoo and um, makeup and hair color and, you know, uh, cleaning products. It's just, they're everywhere. 
Well, it, they are, and I, I know when I was and when I was discovering that this was an issue for me, and I realized how how many smells I had on my body in the morning. So it was my laundry detergent and my shampoo and my conditioner had different smells, even though they were the same company. And then certain makeup will be will have smells, and then you put on your deodorant, and then maybe you'll put on perfume, and, and you know just that part of it. Now knowing that fragrance could be anything and you've got probably hundreds of, of different things on your body, um, that's pretty scary. I agree. I agree. So I think as consumers, we just have to be a little bit more um, intelligent about what we're buying and, you know, be aware of the potential pitfalls um, and, you know, just... Like I said, vote with your dollar and and go for products that don't use all that stuff or that um, really use essential oils as their only fragrance uh, can really make a difference. And it'll still smell good. It's just not a chemical fragrance. Not toxic for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. so so at the same time, we have our personal care products, but then, of course, we also have um, our cleaning products. Um, it, it, what, what's going on there? Well, um, you know, there's been some studies lately that have been really eye-opening about cleaning products. Um, one thing that we have to look at is, just the actual composition of the product. I mean, obviously, if the ingredients are toxic in their own right, like, say, bleach um, or ammonia, then they're likely to be harmful to you, to your skin, your eyes, your lungs, um, and the environment. Um, The other thing to think about with cleaning products is how one product's ingredients may react with ingredients in another product that you're using. Um, I, I found this really fascinating when I was doing my research and, you know, the combination of ingredients in the same environment can cause even worse health problems because they can cause a chemical reaction in the environment and create something really toxic. And I'll give you an example. So when you're cleaning um, a small bathroom, say, without any uh, windows that are open, okay, so, so say you use a toilet bowl cleaner and it contains bleach, and then you clean the mirror with an ammonia-containing product, you're actually creating chloramine gas in the air um, because the combination of ammonia and bleach creates this chloramine gas, and it's extremely irritating to the lungs and it can really be harmful and people have died from this. So um, you have to use adequate ventilation, obviously, in a situation like that. But, you know, if if you can't, if there's no window in the bathroom or whatever, um, you really should just stick with natural cleaning products, whether it's um, a a commercial brand um, that uses um, vinegar or things like that, or there's so many other products on the market, or I'm um, sorry, uh, recipes on the market. If you go to the internet and you type in, you know, um, uh, self, you know, do-it-yourself cleaning products, or, or you know, um, I, I'm not very crafty, so I, <laughs> I tend to look for natural products that I can buy. But a lot of people use. Um, vinegar and water, or they use different things, baking soda, um, different things that you can find in your own pantry and make products themselves. 
I, I admire those people. <laughs> That's just not me. Um, <laughs> but, but I think it's great. I think it's, it actually saves a lot of money. Um, and if you're using glass uh, containers, you know, spray bottles and whatnot, um, you're helping the environment as well. Of course. Well, I know um, one thing when I talk to people about changing their cleaners in their home is they think that the natural ones won't be clean. Oh, yes. So I don't know where that came from, that natural is um, less effective, um, but it, it's it's really um, unfortunate that people have that belief because it's not true. Um you know, the natural stuff came first. Um, you know, our grandparents and their grandparents used natural cleaning products all the time, and um, they worked. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. It, 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 that's the same way in medicine, too. Um, we have this, you know, feeling like natural uh, remedies aren't as effective. And as you know, with Chinese herbal medicine, that, that, that is so not the case. I mean, there's very, very powerful um, natural substances, and um, we, we really should give them a try. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, I, I grew up um, with the, the DIY cleaners, um, which was very uh-huh. much my mom. But I also think at that time there was less available that was natural. And uh, she yeah. she didn't want the chemicals in her home. She was very conscious about that. Um, and, uh, you know, so to me it, it was it's very natural to, to use the natural products and to go in that direction. But I know when people are, are making these changes and, and they're, you know, using their Tide and cleaning with bleach and ammonia and, you know, using all that kind of stuff that they, they're they a little overwhelmed with what you and I are talking about. This is so new to them. So where do you mm-hmm. recommend that people get started? I know you said in your book, go chapter by chapter, but if, you, if it just seems very overwhelming that everything, you know, is, uh, you should be afraid of everything, what, what would you recommend? Well, I, I think being afraid of some uh, of this topic is not a good place to start. I think that realizing that our bodies were designed to heal themselves and kind of getting back in touch with our own um, bodies and, and what they're experiencing is first and foremost um, because I think our bodies tell us messages all the time. I mean, when we walk into, say, a taxi cab, and they have really a lot of taxis. I was just traveling, and so I, I'm, this is really salient on my mind. So many taxis I got into had this overwhelming perfumey smell, and I was the one who had my head out the window. I just couldn't stand it. And so I have to listen to my body. If you eat something and it doesn't agree with you and you get a stomachache or it gives you gas or, you know, you have to become a little bit more in tuned to what your particular reactions are and everyone is different. But because our bodies are sensitive and they tell us messages all the time and they are designed to heal themselves, I think anything that we can do to reduce our exposure to toxic chemicals and create cleaner living spaces um, will definitely go a long way. So don't be afraid of your body. Don't be afraid of um, these, you know, chemicals that are in our environment. 
just make a, a decision to lower your exposure by doing whatever you can. And you don't have to be perfect. I think in our society, um, we are just, you know, constantly being told that we can do things better. And I, I think it's really healing and nurturing to just remind yourself, you don't have to be perfect. Just start where you are and do little things. Like if the smallest thing you can do is to get a water filter and start filtering your water and bringing your own um, bottles, uh, you know, glass or stainless steel bottles to work, that's, that's a huge step. You're doing yourself a big, big favor and you're reducing the chemical um, layers in your silo by doing that. Um, or, you know, go through your cabinets one afternoon and just say, I'm going to take out all the chemical cleaning products that I have and go to the store and replace them with things that aren't um, as toxic. And there's so many brands out there, like I said, even just going to your you know, conventional grocery store, usually on the bottom shelf, you're going to find um, in the chemical uh, cleaning product aisle, you're going to find some that are more natural. They don't put them up front and center at eye level because they don't necessarily, um, you know, they're not the ones that um, are advertised on television, right? So you might find them on the bottom shelf, but they're going to be things that have fewer ingredients. Um, you're going to recognize what those ingredients are and, you know, just start there. Just start little by little. Well, that that's perfect. Um, you know, I like the little by little because, you know, that is really how, how I did it. Um, you know, being aware that one thing was bothering me and then another and then another. And uh, now I'm at the point where, you know, I've incorporated that all in my life. But if I was starting fresh, um, you know, it would take a, a process again like I've, I've done. Um, now, if anybody wants to get uh, more information or find your book, how can they do so? I have a website called livinginthechemicalage.com, and I have all kinds of articles and um, different product recommendations and things like that. Um, there's also a link to buy my book uh, on Amazon um, right there on the homepage. I have a contact page also where you can um, ask me a question uh, right there. So that's a good way. I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Um, so there's lots of different ways to find me, but all of those can be found on my website. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today. I enjoyed the show. Thank you. I did too. It was wonderful. <laughs> Um, so we were talking today with Janet Newman and her book was Living in the Chemical Age. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.